And now Connor McDavid busts out of the zone with Leon Dreisaitl. Oilers pour over the line. McDavid gave it up, and Winnipeg now the other way. Kyle Connor's got a breakaway. Rich shot, score! Connor wins it! 4-3 in triple overtime! And the Jets have swept the Edmonton Oilers! One of the longest games in Oilers playoff history ends one of their shortest playoff appearances in team history. Kyle Connor ending an epic game at 6.52 of the third overtime. The Jets take it 4-3, and they sweep the Edmonton Oilers four games to nothing. The Jets won games two, three, and four in overtime. It's 12.33 in the morning. Thanks for staying up late. Thanks for checking in wherever you're listening tonight and a crushing end to a promising Oilers season as the Jets are able to do it four straight. And along the way in this series, the Oilers couldn't get the big goal at the big time. And yesterday's game, I guess now two days ago on Sunday's game, going to be remembered as unfortunately a huge choke as they blew that one against the Jets and then fell in overtime. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. And uh, Rob, I mean, look, there there are a lot of things to talk about tonight. We want to talk about the series and, and the disappointment of what happened here. But I, I think individually... This game tonight, it, it's it's not the result that most of our listeners wanted, but I think this game is just an individual hockey game was an absolute classic. It was. It was one of the best hockey games we've seen in a number of years. Uh, the, the effort, the desperation, uh, the willingness of putting your body on the line, taking hits, giving hits, blocking shots, uh, back check. I mean, both teams... Gave everything they had. I mean, both dressings must be just uh, a group of guys just at peak exhaustion from what they did out there. Um, it was it was a great hockey game. A couple of mistakes, the Ethan Bear mistake in the third period, and then fatigue starting to set in for both teams. And by the time the second, third overtimes came along, mistakes were being made just because guys were tired. But the Oilers had their chances in overtime. The stick was the puck was on the sticks of the right players. Drysdale had two or three one-timers. Nugent Hopkins had a wide-open chance. Devin Shore had a partial breakaway. Ennis wide open in front. Uh, it just they couldn't get that goal when they needed it. And I think that's the biggest thing in this series. The when they needed a big goal, they weren't able to capitalize. And when the Winnipeg Jets needed a big save, they got it. So it was. I think tonight's game was just. Uh, just a microcosm or a microscope of the, what the whole series was like. The, the, the Winnipeg Jets were just good enough to win each and every game. They always did one thing or two things or three things that allowed them to be just that much better in each and every game and deserve to, have the, uh, to win the series. I'm not sure they deserve to win it four straight, but at the end of the day, they did just enough things to get these wins. Well, and and we talked going into the series, weighing the two teams, and, and I thought that Connor Hellebuck could be a huge factor in this series. And, and I had those thoughts about the goaltending, not as a knock on Mike Smith, but mm-hmm. more as a credit to Hellebuck. And I, I, I mean, look, I, I thought Smith played his butt off. I, I thought he made some brilliant saves in the overtimes today. Yeah, okay, you can look at the long goal against yesterday that, that tied it f- fine. But for the most part, he was 
outstanding. Yet Hellebuck was still the better goalie in the series. And that was huge, I thought, especially in the first two games in Edmonton. Yeah, and I, I don't think it should be a surprise. I mean, Hellebuck was the Vezina Trophy winner and one of the best in the world. Mike Smith's had a great year and had a good career, but Hellebuck is, I mean, he's elite, and he should be the better goalie, and he was. And that's what I He made big saves when he had to, uh, a number of great ones. But, I mean, this is how close this series was. In the first, I think it was 45 seconds into the very first overtime, the puck goes, Connor McDavid throws the puck on net. It hits off, I think, Leon, then hit a defenseman. It went through Hellebuck's legs, came out the back, hit the back skate of Hellebuck, and rolls just past the goal line and wide, 30, 45 seconds into overtime. And that was just the, the kind of series that the Oilers had, that they, they didn't get the bounces, they didn't get the breaks. Winnipeg did, and Winnipeg deserved them because they created them themselves. But, yes, when it comes to goaltending, Hellebuck made all the saves at the right moments, and... Uh, the Blake Wheeler has talked about it a few times. He said that we have that confidence in our goaltender that when we mess up, he's got our back. And that is a great confidence that you can play free in front of your goaltender because you know he's that good. And the Winnipeg Jets did that. All right, you can get us on the Certainty Hotline, professional grade building materials, 780-496-0063. We really appreciate if you've stayed up to, to call us tonight, but we do want to bring you right now the post-game reaction of the head coach, courtesy Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's Dave Tippett. Dave, considering how much this team grew this year, is this the most disappointing postseason that you've ever dealt with? Every just every uh, time you don't win the last game of the year, then it's disappointing. But there's, you know, I thought that our team took some strides this year. We were expecting more in the playoffs. It's a tight, tight series. We couldn't find a way to get on top of it. And can you speak to the uh, the game that Connor played? Uh, uh, what he brought to it? Some of the things that happened with the line change in the middle there, and uh, and basically everything that uh, that he touched tonight was uh, remarkable in some ways. Well, when he, you get to see a player normally he plays 20 to 25 minutes, I think tonight he was at 45 or something, so you got to see a lot of them. And I give our players credit. They battled hard. That's a that's not an easy uh, game. We didn't didn't get the result we wanted last night. And you come in here and you got to play a back-to-back, and uh, we had a lot of players play very well. It's, it's just disappointing we couldn't get the, get the win. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hi, Dave. Um, yeah, a lot of people would have thought yesterday's loss would have been a, a huge backbreaker and obviously tough to turn that around. But your guys did leave it all out there today. And just an experience like that, an experience like this series where there are fine lines both ways, three overtime losses. What does that do to to, a, to your young core in, in the sense that to get that experience, you need to have it in the playoffs? And what does it do for to let them grow uh, going uh, forward? Hopefully, hopefully it pushes them to get better. They know they have to take another step. And, you know, that's uh, when Ken and I came here last year, a couple of years ago, it's been a, it's with the pandemic, it's been a bit of a mishmash but we want to we want to become a team that's uh that's a playoff team every year and the more times you give yourself a chance the the greater chance you have to be successful and 
I remember when I first started coaching in Dallas a long time ago, Bob Ganey worked with us, and that's what he said. He said, Tip, you just got to get in, have a team where you get in the playoffs every year, and then you can find those years where something special happens. And, you know, we've had two years in a row here we've got in. We've got to continue to improve. There's some there's some building blocks that are in place that we need to uh, continue to build on. But we want to be a playoff every, team every year, give ourselves a chance to compete for the Cup every year. So there's some hard lessons you learn along the way. Um, you know, I thought we took some steps this year overall and how we play as a team, how we defend as a team, uh, things that are, have to be in place if you're going to, you know, get to the point where your team is a, is a top contender. So we need to continue to work at that. But right now it feels a little bit hollow with the way things went in the playoffs. And in overtime, when you shorten your bench like, like you did, and then it just extends and extends and extends and extends, is it tough to get the guys that have been sitting for a period, period and a half, two periods, back in the rotation? How does that work? It's, you know, it, that's a game that both teams were just in rhythm, both playing three lines. We were down to 4D, and uh, you just get in rhythm and play. And I was, I was uh, bugging Jesse after the second overtime or whatever. He, Took him five periods to get his legs going. Now he looks like he's going again. So, but it's uh, players get in rhythm, and then I'm sure there'll be some sore guys tomorrow. You know, Nursey played a lot of minutes, so they, uh, I give them credit though. They laughed it all out there. Jim Matheson, Post Media. I was going to ask you about Darnell Nurse. He played uh, almost like 60 minutes, almost, um, no. but he didn't look tired. Is that he just was able to conserve his energy? Well, he's such a, he's an efficient skater and he's an unbelievable athlete. Somebody just mentioned that that there's he's in the top three of the league. The other one of the other ones was Zubob. I think that was with me in Dallas too. So, uh, you know, Nurse, he just just played. You know, he just he keeps going. He just keeps working, and his game doesn't seem to drop off any. He's a, he's a phenomenal athlete and. Not just to play 60-some minutes tonight, but to play it in a back-to-back -back situation is pretty amazing. And, I mean, losing four in a row when they're, all the games are close, is, I guess the, the easy thing to say is, you know, we needed some bounces. Well, how do you get those bounces? Were the gods just not on your side? Or you gotta, how, did, you gotta continue, how do you get the bounces? you got to continue to work and get better. There's, you know, there's some things we can do in this uh to help us get better. Some of these lessons are hard to learn, but you, next time you recognize situations better, you know, there's just, uh, there's things that happen in a game that the only way you can figure them out is to go through them. And that's, uh, unfortunately, that's some of the challenges we're going through right now. Brian Rashog, TSN. Dave, uh, I mean, you guys, you gave up the lead again in this game, but the team seemed to steal itself after that. How do you think you played, you know, after that happened and through the overtimes? You know, how do you think you regrouped from having that happen again? I think we're solid. We were, you know, when you get into long overtimes then like that, I've been in a few of them. It, it seems like one team will get a little momentum and get a few chances, then the other team will, and then it'll kind of be stagnant for a while. But I thought our guys hung in there. You know, we turned over a puck and... Uh, and they ended up tying it in uh, in the third, but we uh, we kept working. We, uh, you know, I felt like our team was in good rhythm. Schmidty was making some big saves for us, and uh, you know, it's too bad we couldn't get the one we needed.
And just on the overtime winner, just what what you saw, Dave. Obviously, you were stuck with the long change that period. Was was Bear okay trying to get to the bench there? Was it just you know tough with the turnover? What did you see? Yeah, it's just a puck that went down the wall, and they just flipped it out. And there was, I think, a guy that uh, was stuck in behind. We were trying to change D, so just a, a break that they got, and they took advantage of. Jason Gregor, TSN twelve sixty. Dave, uh, Connor talked about it, you know, it feels like a weird series that you lose all four and they're close and he felt like they're the better team at times, but it just seemed like little mistakes or, you know, bad turnovers, you know, kind of cost you guys the game. Um, you say you got to learn from those lessons is, is one thing for sure. Are you certain though that certain guys do, you know, how, how do you evaluate that to know which guys are able to learn from that? That's, and which a, that's guys an evaluation you go through every year. As you try to, as you try to get better, you evaluate your personnel and see where they are, see who handles situations like that. And you uh, make adjustments accordingly. And I, I know it's really fresh. So just focus on that game again, you know, um, obviously, Haas the puck over the over the glass isn't really a debatable penalty, but um, you know they did make the one call early in overtime, and then after that, it seemed they put their whistles away. Frustrating at all when you had a few of your guys very, taken down? Very frustrating. You see some of those ones. You see Yamamoto. Okay, we, we call that one, but there was three or four just like that that weren't called. That's that's the frustrating part. That's the frustrating part. You set a precedent in overtime, and then you did, and then you don't go with it. That's the that's the frustrating part. Final question, Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah, Dave, in the end, you know what? You guys play lots of good hockey, and whenever there was a break that you needed, the, the blue team got it. You guys never seemed to get it. Is there, you know, you're a coach. You watch lots of hockey. How much of that is bad luck, and how much of that is something you can control that you could have done better? Well, there's always things you can do better, and, and maybe it's not the play that, that bites you it could be some other place that you if you would have done better in other parts of the game you that that uh bad bounce or bad luck wouldn't affect you so much you know so there's always things to learn that way it's finding a way to win games and sometimes it's not the <clears throat> it's not the critical critical error it's uh other the other parts of the game that when well, maybe you didn't start well enough or some things like that that put you in you know you you don't you don't get the results you want and you it's hard to break it down into one play when it's a number of things that you you know you could have done to be better to, to get a to get a, give yourself a better chance to win now that being said there's you know, there's times I thought we played very well on this series and didn't get rewarded for it either. So that's right. uh, those are all parts of the game that you just have to go through and hopefully we continue to get better. Well, that's the last question then. The fact that that happened for four games in a row, I guess, is the thing that makes me wonder, you know, like it never changed, right? Right down to the end of the series, that bounce went the Jets' way, that break went the Jets' way. Is it just extended good luck on their part is there more to it well i think if you look at it we had six games where they didn't beat us with some of it extended luck turned around on us thank you this includes tonight's media availability Dave Tippett after the Oilers lose 4-3 in triple overtime to the winnipeg jets and the jets sweep the series rob what did you think of 
Tippett and his staff shortening the bench to the extent that they did, especially as this scheme wore on? If you've got the horses and they're capable of playing those kind of minutes, uh, I mean, it, that's a lot of minutes that they're, uh, they, they threw at a number of players. I mean, the Jets went down to three lines as well. You occasionally saw Perot out there, but more or less three lines. Uh, they went majority four defensemen. They're two bottom defensemen. I think both played 23 minutes, so more than than the Oilers. But uh, Tippett was desperate. The Oilers were desperate. They threw their best, who they felt were their best opportunities or the best players out there. I do find it it was unbelievable when in the third overtime uh, they had both Kara and Ethan Bear on the ice, and in in real time that had to have been an hour, an hour and a half between shifts. Like that is a long time. I've uh, I, I've sat on benches and you sit for 15, 20 minutes and then have to go on the the ice. I mean, you you do not feel good. And Bear made a great play when he was out there. I think Kara he got the puck out twice, penalty kill. And so give them credit for staying in the game and somehow I'll be able to shake off the the cement that their legs would have been. But I think that. Dave Tippett said, okay, these these are the guys that are going for me. This is going to give us the best chance of winning a hockey game. And he was right. They, they played well. The Oilers had a number of grade-A scoring chances in the overtimes. Uh, I, I, I was on the edge of my seat three or four times. I was I stood. Oh, this is it. Oh, Nugent Hopkins got it. Oh, Shore on a breakaway. Oh, Dreisaitl, one-timer. A one-timer again. Uh, they had the flurries that just they weren't able to just slide that puck and get it past the goal line. Hellebuck was good. And I just, I was, while I was listening to Dave Tippett, I think I just read the Oilers, I think defensemen, and I could be wrong, I can't remember theirs, but I think they had about 12 block shots in the game. The Winnipeg Jets defensemen had 32 block shots in this hockey game. That shows the, the, the dedication and the, the willingness that Winnipeg put into this game. And it also shows you how many opportunities that the Edmonton Oilers were throwing on net to add to the number of saves that Hellebuck made. Yeah, as a team, the Jets blocked 47. The Oilers blocked 26. Okay, 780-496-0063. Well, Ryan, thank you for staying up this late. Hope you don't have to get up too early for work. What's on your mind, Ryan? Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Hey, um, well, there's a lot on my mind. Um, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because I realize that's a stupid question. Um, I'm not going to blame Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for this because I realize that's also probably equally as stupid. Um, I have a few things to say. Like, I guess we learned a lot in those last couple overtime periods about who the coach trusts. Um, I really like Ethan Bear. He... He does so many things that I love. I love the way that he holds the play. He holds the puck and he, and he makes plays and he he's able to he's able to make plays that you don't think that he should and and the Oilers head out the other way. But these last couple games, he just he was just awful. Um, I just it was just awful. Like his recognition, especially seeing Chris Russell come in, you really saw a guy who recognized when it was time to put the puck up off the glass and just get out of trouble as opposed to try and make a play. Um, mm-hmm. I love him. I think he's a fantastic prospect. I think he's going to be a very good defenseman for us. But he he needs to watch some game film. 
That's that's what I got to say about that. Um, another player who we clearly saw did not get any ice time was Jujar Kara. Correct. Jujar yeah, he Kara, just came out to kill penalties in overtime. He, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can disagree with me if you want. If he's even in consideration for your fourth line center, you're not a very good team. Jujar Kara does not do much that well. He's okay, but he is not. He's too slow. He's too slow to really be that good defensively. He's okay on the penalty. He, he's good on the penalty kill. I'll give him that because he doesn't have to move very far. But he's he's just he doesn't bring much offensively. Everybody hypes that he's tough, but he loses most of the fights that he gets in, and he he really doesn't. He's too he's really too slow to hit that much. Like I, I just yeah. So Ryan, can I ask you a question? Do you mind if I ask yeah. you something? Yeah. So, you know, I I do think how Tippett deployed players in overtime is still going to be a discussion. Like I'm wondering, even though you're criticizing some of these guys, do you think as overtime wore on, he still should have spotted some guys in just to try to keep their legs in the game and give some of the other guys even an extra thirty or forty seconds of 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 rest? Or do you think? Like you, you're saying you don't trust these guys, and that's why, and you wouldn't have played them either. I like Gaetan Haas. I think Gaetan Haas does a lot of really good things. He he wins faceoffs on roughly the same percentage, but I mean, he actually. Well, I was surprised personally. I thought that uh, like I kind of agreed at the beginning that we needed bigger players, but mm-hmm. when I when they made the change to smaller guys like Haas, I was surprised at how well they were able to move their feet on the forecheck and how well they were able to do. And I thought Gaetan Haas did a fantastic job. And Shore, Shore just absolutely made Haas look, or sorry, made uh, Kara look silly. Like he, he was fantastic, especially tonight. Shore did so many good things. And like, I won't lie to you. I have not liked Jujar Kara for a while. So I might be a little bit biased, but I will yeah. say that I, I, I thought tonight and the last and then the last night there that Jujar Kerr really showed that he is not somebody that you need in your bottom six. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Some good points, and obviously that uh, Kara was one of the players who I, I mean it was it was uh, almost two full hockey games. Well, I guess not quite, but mm-hmm. it was fuck close. It was it almost was five and a half periods and, and Jujar Kerr only played 1051 tonight and Ethan bear only got that one shift. Ryan McLeod only played 940. Darnell nurse, by the way, played 6207. That's unbelievable. And look, and, like, honest, and honestly, yeah. he looked just as good at the end as he did at the beginning. That, now, I, I had no problem with him shortening the bench. This is a team, the players are incredible athletes, and they didn't seem to tire. If you were going, I, Chase on and Kara, I, I agree, I wouldn't have had them out in the overtimes. Or no, Kara and, who was the other guy that was on the, oh yeah, it was Chase on, wasn't it? Yes, and McLeod remember, didn't yeah, play so, at all. Yeah, and, but McLeod is a guy that I might have spotted in. And that's what Winnipeg did. They sat two guys. Perot got two or three shifts each overtime just to give a rest. And Cuckoo, I didn't mind his his game. So he was the one I was, I was a little surprised. surprised. I, I yeah. was surprised I didn't, he didn't, I didn't get used. Mainly, I don't know if he was hurt, if he was banged up. I don't because it was early that he was because I don't. Yeah. He, I think he had like twelve minutes in the game. He, I mean, it was he had really nine fifty eight. He had nine fifty eight, yeah. and he had six shot attempts in ten minutes. 
Yeah, I, so I don't know if something happened there because it was earlier than Ethan Bear that he was sat down because Ethan Bear still got in about four minutes more than him. So I was shocked by that. Uh, I, I, and can you imagine you're Chris Russell? You haven't played for how long? You come back from injury, and now you're going four defensemen for five periods and played. I thought Chris Russell was excellent in this hockey game. I really did. I thought he had a great game. Uh, it's just unfortunate the way it turned. Uh, it's... The Oilers, the Oilers deserved a better fate than a four-game sweep. I honestly believe that. 4-3, the Jets take it. Uh, speaking of staying up late, I believe our next caller is checking in from Toronto, where it's almost 3 in the morning. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Abbas, is, are, aren't you in Toronto? Is it? Yeah, you're really sure. up late, man. <laughs> yeah, How's sure. it going? You know, it's funny. Thanks, me, Rob. You know, I mean, I I had a hopes, expectation. Like I said last night, you know, you don't blame one person on the team for a loss. It's the whole team. I mean, I'm glad tonight that Connor McDavid, he scored a goal. But the critics are always going to critique him no matter what. That being said, tonight I'm proud of my boys. Even though they lost in a third overtime, you know, for me, I was just looking at my phone. I'm like, I don't know if I should watch TV or not because I get really emotional. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, Reed, I mean, you guys know when we lost, you know, game seven with Carolina, man, I cried after that 3 nothing loss. So for me, this loss is nothing, believe it or not, part of my friends. I mean, we have a good team. We just need to improve on the weak part. And we cannot miss opportunities like we did tonight. We had the game. We did not capitalize. And I got to hand it to you. I'm saying this right now as an older fan. They beat us fair and square. I mean, how do you make Connor McDavid one of the most famous guys of the 21st century scoreless in three games? That's commandable. This was Calgary, and Winnipeg is a whole different story, but putting Connor McDavid out for three games, that's commandable. And I think Winnipeg, you know, should should be proud of themselves. And you never know, Winnipeg could go, you know, into the third round or fourth round. But, you know, mm-hmm. we have to be proud of our boys. And we, we, got, we have to, you know, support our boys and say, you know what, you lost this year, you're going to do better. Because if you don't believe in your team, guys, how are they going to believe in themselves? We have to believe in the Oilers, and I'm saying next year will be better and we'll be smarter, and we won't have these kind of um, losses. And I think maybe uh, Hopkins will yeah. Yeah, thank you, Abbas. We appreciate it. I know you're a big fan, and I know you were hoping there'd be a rally. And one thing he said... I mean, whichever team lost this game, they were going to say, how did we not win? 
I mean, if the Oilers would have won, the Jets would have been saying, how do we not score on one of our two power plays in overtime? And mm-hmm. you would think if you had a game in which Leon Dreisaitl had 10 shots on goal, Rob, he's getting one. He had 10 <laughs> shots on goal. two or three. And oh, and he, he had, had 10, 10 shots. shots on... Go on. Sorry, 10 shots on goal, eight blocked, and four went wide. So he had 22 yeah, attempts. That's what I was going to go with there is he had 10 on net and how many missed as he had a, he had three golden opportunities in overtime, one timer set up that uh, it, those don't usually miss with, with Leon Dreisaitl. Um, it was, it was entertaining. It was fun. It was uh, heartbreaking. It, I mean, all the emotions that you could possibly have in a hockey game was there. And, but I think what you saw in this series the Winnipeg Jets showed up. The Winnipeg Jets that in early April were looking like they may pass the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and win the division. That's the Winnipeg Jets team that we saw in this series. This wasn't the team that limped into the playoffs. This wasn't the, once they got their injuries back, they had their swagger. Their goaltender wasn't the guy that was getting pulled it, it, late in the season. Shifley wasn't the guy that the coach was benching. They came in and they found their game. And they played... They played Connor and Leon as good as you can play them with a, a, a ragtag defense that is mainly unknown after Josh Morrissey. Yet they played them hard. They played them physical. Uh, that might have been one of the biggest hits in this game I've seen Connor McDavid take in the NHL. The hip check that DeMello hit him like that was a fantastic check. You don't usually see Connor get caught with one of those. But this Winnipeg team is good and. Whoever they play in the next round, uh, they're going to be a tough out, the Winnipeg Jets. I was, I was quite impressed with what they were able to do, and the Edmonton Oilers, I'm sure, will attest to that, is they played them hard every single minute of every single game. Yeah. Yeah, tough to see the Oilers go out without getting a win in this series. Uh, the Oilers' total for the season for fill the net, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers, $100 for every goal to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. Thank you, James H. Brown. The total $19,100. We got to call a timeout. Carter's up next on the open line. If you're up, well, why not call? You're already up. <laughs> 780-496-0063. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. McDavid waiting. Up top now, between circles, still with a puck. Nugent Hopkins, one-timer drive settle, stopped by Hellbuck, rebound, Jason, he scores! Alex Jason, power play goal, and Edmonton has its first lead of game four at three to two. So that is the final goal of the Edmonton Oilers season. Alex Chason with 3.23 left in the second period. I should have written down the time of day. I think it was probably about four hours ago or so the Oilers would not score again the Jets would tie it in the third and eventually win it in the third overtime Kyle Connor with the goal so it's the third longest game in Oilers history the longest game was Joe Neuendijk 1734 of the triple overtime Dallas beat Edmonton in 99 Peter Klima the second longest game, 15-13 of triple overtime in May of 1990. The Oilers did have another triple overtime game, 224 of the third OT, Sean Horkoff against San Jose in May of 2006. And still a couple periods short of the longest game you played in, Rob. Yeah, these guys, I mean, this is nothing. 
But it was funny. I started, as I'm watching, they showed the beginning of the third overtime. They had McDavid and can't remember which guy, Appleton, I think it was. They were, they were lined up beside each other at the faceoff and kind of giggling. And I do remember that in the game when we were in going into the third, the fourth, the fifth overtimes, you would be lining up against the guy on the other team and you just looking at each other. And it's like, oh, my God, can you believe this is still going? And you just got giddy. And I think it, just from exhaustion and from being tired, and I think that was, was coming into play. The, the fatigue had to start hitting those players as it was a long, long day, a long, long night, and some of the star players on both teams played huge, huge minutes. But it, uh, I can tell you it was, it was highly entertaining. It just had the wrong result. 4-3, the Jets take it. We have Carter on the line. Carter, thanks for staying up and giving us a ring. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. I uh, just I found that the Oilers' depth just wasn't there tonight. I feel like you look at other teams in like the East, like Colorado and Vegas, they got a lot of deeper forwards, I'd say. And then on the decor, I feel like you can't rely on just two defensemen to play the whole game. Uh, I felt like the penalty situation, obviously the Oilers could have had a few more power plays in overtime, but it's an uncontrollable, right? So I just felt like you can't rely on two guys to score every goal for your hockey club in the playoffs. It's very tight checking, and you got to get pockets to the net, right? I'll tell you this, Carter. I think you make some good points. And, and one thing I've noticed watching the playoffs and even games for the last couple of years, I didn't watch a lot of other regular season games outside of the North this season because it was its own little league. But, Carter, I, you, see, you watch other games sometimes and you see a third liner and all of a sudden he snipes one. And you think, wow, like that guy's on the third line, but that's like an elite shot. And the Oilers don't have that in their bottom six. I, I to me, and I'll let you. I want to see what you think, Carter. I, I still kind of feel like they have two fourth lines, and I think they worked. Like I don't think, you know, negligence or laziness was an issue tonight. But but they're still kind of missing a level of skill with a couple of guys who can snipe some goals. Well, I'll, the big I'll guys. take it one. I'll take it one step further, Reed. I don't know if they've got a second line. Yeah, I mean, they, when you put Drysaddle and Connor on the first line, I don't know if they got a second line that that can compete with some of the best second lines in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, I, I they, they're the third and guys, and and even like I like that Adam Lowry. I thought he's a very good third line center. Oh, he's excellent. Play on a penalty kill. I can play big minutes each. He's playing against McDavid, right? Like that's a matchup that Paul Maurice feels comfortable with. And it obviously worked out. It gave Mark Shifley the opportunity to play against the second line, right, of Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto. And I don't know, I just found like that worked well, for them. And that's a great a point. Like and, up the middle. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and look at how what happened with the Shifley line. In the first two games, they had to go head-to-head against Connor McDavid. And they did a really good job, but you take it took away all their offense. Then you come home, and now you can put Lowry's line because they have last change. They put Lowry's line against Connor McDavid. And look at what Shifley's line did in the last two games because they were freed up. But they had the ability, Phil, or Winnipeg, because they had a third line that they right. can trust. And the third line scored a goal. They scored a huge goal tonight for them too. So, it, yeah, they're, that, the Oilers' depth, and we talked about it, and Reed, you know, we talked about it all year long, and then especially coming into the playoffs against the Winnipeg Jets. 
they the Jets had a huge advantage up front in depth, and it showed as this series went on. Their depth players were able to contribute and, and, and play big minutes in big moments. Yeah, and that's going to be the adjustment of the game for the Oilers for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts to see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. I mean, that's what they're going to have to find. They, they need they need some more skill. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of what Ken Holland said. When Ken Holland at the trade deadline said, I like our depth, he didn't necessarily mean that they were a deep team in terms of talent, but he meant I have fourth liners you know, that you can swap in. So that's why he didn't uh, he, he didn't necessarily think he needed to trade for another penalty kill. Mayor could have, would have been a nice trade for another face-off guy perhaps, but you still need another element a- along the way. But even, and like, like Devin Shore, I thought, worked hard tonight. But a oh, he couple was chances, he had a, great a game. couple chances, mm-hmm. you know, he got, I think there was that one, I believe his first shot was blocked. And then he had an open look. The puck bounced right back to him shot it wide. And then even that play where he stole it and chased down the rebound, you know, again, maybe a guy with just a little more skill corrals that and, and backhands it in. And, and again, not questioning his effort. And I know he's, he's trying to score, but that's what well, the Oilers Devin were, were lacking. Yeah. Devin Shore's not, he played on your second line tonight and as good as he was, and he was very, very good. Devin Shore is not a second line player. Zach Kaskin was on your second line tonight. And Zach, this was one of his best games of the year. Zach Cassian, again, is not a second-line player. So two guys on your second line are not second-line hockey players. So that's that's the, where the Oilers have issues, is there is a huge drop-off after your first line if you put Connor and Leon together. So there there is a number yeah. of holes that the Oilers need. But the thing is, with the Oilers, they've got the base. they got a really, really, really strong base. And there's been some huge strides made this year, especially if you look at the back end with the Darnell Nurse. So those are the things that are harder to find. They've got those. Now they got to sprinkle in the other players to make this team a uh, a, a team that can go in the playoffs. Because this is now a legitimate playoff team every year. But now they want to take that next step and start winning yeah, rounds. You're trying to hit another level, yeah. And you and you gotta you gotta get past the first round here. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jim is on the line as well. Hey Jim. Hey, uh, good evening, gentlemen. I appreciate your work and listening to your perspectives. Um, I guess from an organizational perspective, I mean, we're still living with the consequences of Bob Nixon, you know, allowing Peter Shirelli uh, to do too many bad deals before uh, kindly asking him to leave. Uh, I think Holland's done a great job, um, but just as maybe flagged, it would have been nice if he perhaps picked up someone like Lenden to... to uh, Maybe he increase our face-off percentage. In addition to sorry, which sorry, which guy, Jim? We lost you there for a sec. Which player? Oh, Glenn Denning, maybe. If someone like oh, Glenn Denning. Okay. Possible. I mean, in addition to Kulikov, and then uh, equally, I mean, I think Tibbs done a, a, a good job as well, particularly with the man management. But uh, I do think we we maybe perhaps needed to start the series with with more speed, with you know, with the house shore. Um, I mean, maybe Ennis. And I do like Cahoon, actually. I think Cahoon does, does okay. And then with respect to tonight, uh, I mean, it's a tough loss, yeah. I think everyone played up to their potential, and, you know, even, even beyond. But I also agree with your point, Reed, and maybe Rob, that it would have been nice to, to maybe uh, inject some of those guys, spot people in, like you know, Bear, I mean, made that big mistake. But Bear and Cuckoo, uh, I, I think it would have been nice to have some fresh legs. And even someone like Chase on, not super fast, but I think he's relatively, you know, risk-free. But all in all, I mean, it's a great, 
it was a great game and great effort, great season. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, appreciate all your work. Yeah, appreciate that, Jim. Good points. Uh, we appreciate that. Oilers do lose 4-3 in, in triple overtime. And, you know, again, Rob, I kind of said this off the top. It's 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 obviously too bad this is the, the last game of the season because we're going to talk about the end of the season a lot tonight too. But this game as an individual game was like it was insane. I mean, it was just, you know, back and forth. You tell guys were fatigued but still doing whatever they could. You mentioned all the all the blocked shots and, and all the close calls. Like this, this was, this like I won't forget this one. I mean, we, you and I have done hundreds of games together over the years, and sometimes I'm like, okay, that's, you know, in and out of the memory banks. This, this mm-hmm. was unforgettable. I, I agree. And it was one of those where they, they go into the third overtime. A lot of overtimes you get two teams that are just sitting back waiting for that one mistake. This one, both teams were pressing. Both teams were getting good scoring chances. And then fatigue started to affect them, so there was more and more mistakes. I just, uh, for, for them to continue with the physicality when you get into the second, or the first, the second, and third overtimes, when they continue with the block shots, uh, the willingness to to, to to take the body or, or, or give up their own body to make a play, it was just, uh, it, it was fun. I mean... If you were an outsider that didn't have any, uh, it wasn't your team playing, and you're just watching it just for the sole purpose of enjoying a hockey game, you're like, whoa, that might have been one of the best hockey games I've seen. And it was. For entertainment value, you're not going to get better than that. It's just unfortunate that at the end of the night, one of the teams was going to lose because it was a game that both sides can say, you know what, we deserve better. And uh, unfortunately for the Edmonton Oilers, they did probably deserve better in a series that ended way too quick. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's Dan. Hello, Dan. Thanks for staying up. Hey guys, thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah. Just to say uh, what you said earlier, it, you know, if I wasn't a diehard Oilers fan, I would just say this was a fantastic hockey game tonight. It was, it was really unreal. Um, but uh, I got a couple points. One is kind of a big picture one, and one's, you know, what happened uh, in this series. But, you know, we hired Todd McClellan, and, uh, you know, year two under Todd McClellan, I think we had 103 points or something. The highest yep, 103. Since, yeah, highest since 1987, I believe. Right? And uh, this year under Dave Tippett, we had the highest winning percentage since 1987. But the thing is, you got to, there's a difference between coaching in the regular season and coaching in the playoffs. And my, my point on that is, you know, first of all, I, I, I'm not a fan of McDavid and Drysdale playing on the same line. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're a harder team to play against when they're split up. Um, and as for tonight, I, I don't understand why Puliyarvi wouldn't be up there instead of Yamamoto, for one. Well, and, uh, okay, on that one, I believe that they wanted more depth scoring down the lineup, and Puliyarvi, he can energize a line on his own. So I think that's why they said, okay, we need another line going too. We'll put Puliyarvi down. That way we'll have a, a line that can create. And I thought Puliyarvi did have a good game and did create. And Yamamoto, that was that might have been his best game too. 
No, that's a great point. And I, I just thought Pulley RV was has been one of our best players in this series. And yep, absolutely. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, I just wanted to see him. I'd rather see him up there. But that's, you know, that's a minor thing. But the other mm-hmm. point I wanted to make was, okay, so you shorten the bench. I get that. But, you know, after one OT, these guys are dogged. And you got to start getting some guys in there and then two OTs they're still not yeah I I, I completely agree with you there but the the problem the problem on that though is once you didn't play him in the first overtime now it's hard putting him in the second overtime because now he sat for 45 minutes so that's your problem so once you make that one decision I mean Winnipeg Winnipeg shortened their bench as well they they went with uh, two guys didn't play in any of the overtimes I don't believe two of their forwards uh, Perot got a couple shifts. They they went down to three lines as well. And their third-pairing defenseman played sparingly. I mean, I thought Cuckoo, I, I don't know what's wrong with Cuckoo because I thought he had a good game. I understand the Bears sitting. He's He struggled the last couple of games, and he made that big mistake. Um, but And then McLeod, I might have gone with 10 forwards and spotted McLeod in here and there because of his speed, because guys are tired. Um, but as far once you made your decision and you didn't play any of them in the first overtime, you're probably not playing them in the second. And I was shocked that Kara and Bear came out in the third overtime. All right, the Oilers fall 4-3 in triple overtime to the Jets. Their season is over. We'll get to more of your phone calls, a little more post-game reaction as well. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, we're with you as the Oilers' season ends with a 4-3 triple overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets. So the Game-winning goals in this series. In Game 1, the Jets scored with 10.46 left in the third. Game 2, after 4.06 of overtime. Game 3, after 9.13 of overtime. And then tonight, it would have been after 46.52 of overtime. So all the games close, but the Oilers cannot figure out a way to get one, at least, to go their way. And their season's over. We'll quickly check the out-of-town scoreboard here for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Islanders in double overtime beat the Penguins 3-2 to go up 3-2 in the series. Leafs over the Habs 2-1 to lead the series 2-1. Panthers stay alive with a 4-1 win over the Lightning, and the Wilds stay alive. Badly outshot, but they win 4-2 in Vegas. 7804960063 David is up next. David, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um I'm just going to keep it real short and sweet and uh, it was a great series. Uh it felt it felt pretty amazing as a Jets fan to revenge 1990 and frankly all the 80s. And uh this is probably the one most special wins and uh, incredible three overtime wins in a row I've ever witnessed in my life. It's uh, phenomenal. I'm not here to rub the salt in the wounds. It's a great series. I thought the Oilers were totally in every single game. It could have gone either single way. And uh, I don't think any Jeff fan takes that for granted. I think we were very fortunate to sweep. I wouldn't say we're fortunate to win, but to sweep, I think it was a little bit of luck involved. And uh, I'm sure Holland will have you where you guys need to be sooner than later. And, uh, you know, great job on the series. Okay. Yeah, thanks, David. Well, uh, look, we know Winnipeg fans are incredibly passionate so we know this series win uh, means a lot to them that's a classy call from david we appreciate that yeah Winnipeg, they got a good team they have a really good hockey club and we're seeing them now healthy 
uh, playing well and their goaltender's on top of his game. So whoever they play, whether it's Montreal or Toronto in the next round, uh, they're going to see that the, the Winnipeg Jet team that was good most of the season. And uh, I don't think... Uh, I, I think that either team that they play in the next round are going to have their hands full with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you know, I still think Toronto's the best team in the in the North. I think their depth is is even better I'm, than the Jets. I'm but not again, sure, Hellebuck. but I'm not sure without Tavares if it is. That is a huge loss losing Tavares. I mean, he's uh, yeah, I mean, it still is. I have. Yeah, some- Uh, I I don't know. Without Tavares, then it's a much closer. I mean, their second, now all of a sudden, Kerfoot's your second line center, as opposed to John Tavares. That is a big downgrade. And I like Kerfoot as a player, but that is a big downgrade. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that John Tavares will be back and healthy and playing in the second round. I have no idea if he is. But I'd like I'd I'd love to see the the two teams, whoever plays in the next round. I want to see them healthy, and you can see a good series and. Then we can pick who you want to cheer for instead of, uh, unfortunately, not being able to cheer for your Edmonton Oilers. Whenever the Oilers got to five goals in a game all season long, we turned on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Chet.com. That's presented by Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeout. Complete details, jvedmonton.ca. Okay, we have Michael up next. Michael, go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah, yep. no, I know uh, I... You know, I want to thank the Oilers for putting putting a lot of their effort into this season, uh, the series, the season and this series. Because, like, honestly, they, you know, they they did, you know, they did fight in it. It was, uh, you know, going up against Hellebuck, who was just seemed to be the wall at the right time, and uh, then, you know, beyond that, just like. Um, one of the things that I thought really made a big difference for the Oilers is they ended up playing a lot like more tentatively, you know, uh, because of kind of like some of the officiating and how the calls kind of seemed to, to you know, as as um, Kippett said in his, his post saying like, you know, hey, just one minute it's 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 not a call and then later it is. But uh, one of the things I wanted to hear your guys' perspective on was the. I know you guys called it a hip check, but it looked really like a knee on knee with DeMello on McDavid. And that just, I was like, where was the call there? Because, you know, like we see uh, in the previous game where we lose Archibald, which of course impacted our PK, um, you know, for this game. But um, yeah, like what, what were your thoughts on that? What did it, for I, me, it I, like you, yeah. I thought it was a clean hit. And you didn't see any Oiler complain about it. You didn't see Connor McDavid complain. It that was that was a, that was a great hip check. Yeah, and the thing is, you don't see them very often anymore. Mm-hmm. But that that was a good hit. What Archibald did was dangerous, and des- yeah. I don't know if it deserved a suspension, but it deserved a fine. And I was fine with the suspension. Um, the one that and I said to Reed at the end of the the one overtime period, I didn't like the Yamamoto call in, in overtime. I didn't. I thought that that was happening all night long. It didn't turn into a scoring chance. It didn't take away a scoring chance. And once they called it, that, to me, would open up the more the calls. referees to have to call more calls. And they yeah. didn't. So that's that one, to me, like, if you're going to call that, well, there's the one shift where Leon Streisel, I mean, the guy grabbed with both hands Leon's stick. So, I mean, yeah. you got to even it out at that point. So they made, I think they made a mistake calling the penalty on Yamamoto. But as soon as they did... You can't put the whistles away because you gave yeah. the Winnipeg Jets a power play. And just think, I mean, there was enough chances to make a makeup call 
and we know what the Edmonton Oilers power play is capable of doing. So I thought it was a bad call on Yamamoto, but once they made it, then they should have made. There was opportunities to make calls going the other way. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I know that that it was. I definitely yeah, seeing Drysaitel having to like yank his his stick back. That that was even more infuriating. So yeah, no, uh, thanks for your perspective on it. Yeah, I I, I thought that was. And again, I mean, the Oilers did not lose this game or this series nope. because of the referee. But I, I actually was fine with the Yamamoto call, Rob. Uh, but yeah, when like I find in overtime, referees are almost saying, "I'll let you put one foot foot over the line, but don't embarrass everybody by putting two feet over the line." And that's why I thought that held stick might be called because, like you said, it was a complete grab for like a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, you know, if, it, you, if you, like, it was a tug of war. Yeah. Like it was a tug of war. When it turns into a tug of war, yeah, it's one thing if he grabs it and you're in tight and then let's go. But when you're in a tug of war and you guys, I mean, it was in the offensive zone. So that, I mean, it was an easy one to call right there if you wanted to make a makeup call. To me, in overtime, most refs want, and, and we've we've seen it over the last few few games. Most refs do not want to be the decision, the help in the outcome of the hockey game. So unless it's a scoring chance, or it's a, a dirty, vicious play, they don't call it. And that's why I thought the Yamamoto one was. I'm like, okay, there's all kinds of stuff going on out there, and to call that in overtime to possibly put a team out of the playoffs, I thought that. I mean, that that was weak. And so that's why I'm like, okay, well, if they're calling that, and that's what Dave Tippett was upset about. He's like, okay, if that's if you just set the precedent in overtime, if this is where the bar is, well, then make sure you stay on that. And I think that's frustrating. Now, again, refereeing wasn't why the Winnipeg Jets won this this uh, series. They deserved everything they got, and the refing in most of the, most of the other series or the games were fine. But that just that one penalty bothered me because it wasn't. Uh, to me, as blatant as what you need to have to have a call, and it didn't continue the rest of the overtime period. The Jets had uh, two power plays in overtime, the Yamamoto call, and then Haas shot the puck over the glass, which is uh, an obvious one. The Oilers killed both off, but shortly after they killed off the Haas penalty, Kyle Connor scored to end the game and the Oilers' season. Okay, Rick on the line. Hello, Rick. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, it's only 12.30 here in Vancouver. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I personally, I think we lost the series in the first two games. They outworked. We were outworked in those first two games. I'm starting to see a pattern here. We, it didn't seem like we were ready for Chicago last year, and it just didn't seem like we were. I think we underestimated Winnipeg a little. And I agree. I agree. They brought they brought the jump in the third. Except for those three minutes, we should we had game three. We deserve better, like Rob said. In game three, that was our game. And tonight, okay, unfortunate, you know, Bear with the giveaway. But you know, again, we played good enough to win. But just you know, it's just so frustrating. I, I, I'm starting to see, you know, we're we're so good offensively during we're a regular season team. We don't have the grit and the players. Like, remember Washington in, their, in Ovechkin's early years? They were they're yep. getting President's trophies. You know, everyone's scoring 100 points, but when it got to the playoffs, 
knocked out first round every year. Yeah. And then well, again, the, the Oilers, the Oilers aren't deep enough, and I, I, I would still give Hellebuck a lot of credit in the first two games. I mean, the one game was one nothing, and well, the Oilers yeah, had a ton said of shots. That, right. Having but, said that, though, the both games the Oilers got off to terrible starts. Yes. In both true. games, the Winnipeg Jets were missing two of their top five best players That's in Ehlers. And, and, well, Dubois played game two, but still. And, and they, they – they, I, I don't want – well, okay, I'll say it. I think we're a little outcoached. They, they anticipated our offense so well. McDavid didn't have the room out there like he normally does. Mm-hmm. He didn't skate, you know, circles around everybody. They they played him smart and and you know Leon had his chances he just couldn't bury him. Hellebuck is a hell of a goalie. You got to admit I got to give them credit. You know it's just hard to hate Winnipeg because they're a good team. They're mm-hmm. not dirty. They don't play. They play a good game and uh, they got good goaltending. You know now they got that chip off their shoulder like losing to us all the time. So you know I, I hope they go. I hope they beat Toronto or Montreal. I really do. You know what I I like that team. Hey, you know what? I, I have a new appreciation actually for Winnipeg after this series and, and yep. a number of their players because we yep. see them in the regular season. But uh, like Morrissey, he is good. Like, oh my goodness, he is good. He is he so is, smart. Pionk. Pionk wow. Is good. I, I, I agree. And DeMello, who I, I wasn't sure about DeMello. I'm like, really? The second pairing? He was excellent going head to head against Leon and Connor all the time. Yeah, I, I agree. I have a, a newfound respect for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I, I do I after thought, watching this series. I thought Wheeler was done when he blocked that shot. I thought he so did I. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. He's back out there. He may not have children again, but he came back and played. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Luckily, it's 136 <laughs> here in Edmonton. Well, <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I okay. appreciate it, man. Thanks for calling in for Vancouver. Oilers lose 4-3 in overtime. I still, I still think you can get on the Jets' D, the couple of guys. I, I, you would think, but they went four games. I know, and they defended they were, well, and they and they used their size well, like guys with long reaches. Yes, that, that helped was key. Uh, fend off McDavid. That was they. They were uh, very good on both Connor and Leon coming in, and they would have a step, and then their stick would just get in the way. They're very good at getting their stick in the way. Um, a forward, I, I'm not sure on him. I, I, I when the puck's on his stick, it seems to get himself into trouble. But they, their defense was, uh, it was. I thought it was going to be a big Achilles heel. It was much better than uh, than I expected. Um, and any mistakes they made, that fantastic goaltending to cover up. But the, the depth up front, it w- was huge. Their depth, especially when they got Dubois and Ehlers back, all of a sudden, their three lines really, really strong. Yeah, I, I still I would still say Hellebuck is the MVP of the series. I mean, he was what nine seventy six oh, yeah. after the first two oh. games. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely is, absolutely is. But it, but to me also the fact that when they got home ice and they when they switched and we talked about it after game two and I was wondering, okay, they're going to put Lowry on McDavid to open up Shifley, and that also changed it. When Lowry was playing against McDavid, all of a sudden Shifley's line had freedom, and that's where the mismatches came in because now the Oilers did not have a line that they could play head-to-head against Shifley. And that's where Shifley right. and Connor started to have their success. Okay, let's go to Jesse, 780-496-0063. Hi, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Pretty um, good. What I wanted to say was I think we had a great team this year. We should have won that series. Um, I think our D, we, I think we got a very good D court, and we're going to be a lot better down the road. 
Um, Smith and Koski, they're, they're going to have to be there for us next year. Um, I, even Smith might have had the yeps a little bit this series, but I think he played good. And I think the big void in our team, especially this playoff series, maybe not through the year, was our, our secondary leadership. Um, like our young guys, we're going to be better. Our best team's a couple years out, two or three years out. But guys like Hawkins, um, even Cassian was a little bit quiet this, this series. But Hawkins, he's supposed to be our 27, 28-year-old guy. He's, he's got to be um, L.A.'s cup cup-winning team, Jeff Carter, Chicago's Patrick Sharp, St. Louis's Luke Shen. I, I think that's where we really missed it this year, and I, I hope in the offseason maybe we can get lucky and get a uh, maybe a Getzlaff or a Stahl or something like that. Because I think that's where we, we really got hurt this series, was that, that scrum in the middle, maybe those guys to support Dreisaitl and McDavid when they were getting throttled in the media last night, that's what they needed, that veteran leadership. And I think that's that's what hurt us the most. That's what we need. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, you know, overall five on five, Rob, it was it was not his best season. I mean, he was nope. still part of the power play. Five, five on five, it, it was not as productive as you would have liked. No, not considering... Uh, who he played with most of the year. He's either with Connor or with Leon and didn't put up the numbers that you would have expected from him. And then when he did play center and tried to run his own line, that didn't go very well. So, yeah, it's, which was surprising. I thought uh, Nuge would have a big year. Um, he, he, I think he's turned more into a very good complementary top six winger as opposed to the second-line centre that they were hoping that he could be. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him, uh, with his contract being up. Uh, do they get him signed? Does he test the free agent market? I truly believe he'll be back here. I think he wants to be here, but that's just me on the outside guessing. Yeah, you never know when it comes to free agency. A lot of decisions to be made, and as we've talked about, sometimes players only get one crack at that. So mm-hmm. you want to make it count in a lot in a lot of different ways. All right, uh, we know we got some of you standing by. We're happy you're up with us and giving us a call. We do got to get in a quick break. The Oilers' season is done. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Four three and triple overtime. The Jets win to sweep the Oilers. Forty three forty. The shots in favor of the Jets. As I mentioned earlier, Leon Drysaddle had ten shots on goal. Tyson Berry had five, four each for McDavid and Nugent Hopkins for the Jets. The shots on goal leader was Dubois with, or pardon me, uh, Shifley had seven, Dubois had five, a couple of guys had four. Darnell Nurse played 62 minutes and seven seconds in this game, which I don't even know how to process that. Uh, Neil Pionk played just over 40 minutes for the Jets. Faceoffs, 54% in favor of Winnipeg. Leon Dreisaitl had a uh, rare, poor night. He took 35 faceoffs. Like that's that's two weeks of faceoffs for some guys. Uh, he won four. He won fourteen out of thirty-five. He didn't have a very good night. Gaetan Haas actually led the way. He won ten out of fifteen. Yeah, that part of it has to do with the fact that uh, Leon was going head to head against Lowry most of the night in faceoffs, and Lowry's pretty good. Actually, the Winnipeg Jets are a pretty good Winnipeg faceoff hockey club, and uh, I think fatigue might have come into play late too for Leon Drysaddle when he gets up into the forty-five minute mark and is uh, ice time that might be a little harder to win some face-offs. Okay, let's go back to the phones. Brian is standing by. Brian, thanks for calling. 
Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Yeah. Listen, the Oilers, if they went one-on-one, one-on-one, which it should be, the five-on-five, right? If they mm-hmm. went yep. one, if they went one on one, and stuck close to that guy, these guys could not even pass a puck to make a shot. Okay, but thanks, all, Brian. But we all stand back. Appreciate that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Also, Mike on the line. Mike, thanks for staying up and giving us a call. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Uh, when Holland took the job about two years ago, I kind of figured that last year was going to be his deciding offseason. COVID, obviously, in my mind, delays that a year. So now with this offseason, got some cap coming up, some obvious holes in the rotation here. How do you think they get around the idea that they have to probably reallocate cap for players like Koskin and Neal, stuff like that, guys that probably aren't going to be easy to move, but I think you can't have on this roster to be a team that goes deep. Well, I think Neal uh, can get bought out, quite frankly. Oh, I hate buyouts. <laughs> I know. What, what would he be? One point. I don't have cap friendly open. I think is yeah, he, is he still would cost one point nine or something like that for a couple of years. He'll probably give you a three and a half four mil to play with, which gets you a far more effective player, I'm sure. But yeah, having dead cap for years just just eats at me so badly. But I mean, like, uh, I think right now, depending on where Nuge ends up going, but even with Nuge resigns, I still think they need like two impact pieces, even in the top six, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah, you're probably right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it, well, I think they also have to figure out what they're going to do with Larson, Nugent Hopkins, and Mike Smith, too, before they start deciding what they're going to do after July 1st. Actually, I guess it wouldn't be July 1st. I don't know when they do the free agency this year, but... Oh, yeah, it's July 24th or something. <laughs> the draft is <laughs> in July. Maybe, if, uh, yeah, free agency might be August 5th. Mike probably knows. You seem like you know all that, Mike. <laughs> I wish I was that on the ball. But I guess my was just taking that, uh, that Barry cap. I think what it was this year. It was a one-year deal with Barry for him to pad stats for the Oilers to get a nice fill-in for Clefbaum. I think it worked for both sides. And I think it works for both sides to, in my mind, actually to walk away. Because I think with Bouchard, and I know it's putting a lot on a rookie, but I think you're going to get similar defensive production and probably about, I don't know, 50, 60 to 70% of the point production at a much less cap. And I think that dollars are going to be way better allocated into the top six. Yeah, if I had to guess right point. now, Mike, I, I, don't, I don't think Barry would be back if I had to guess right now. Yeah. No, I think that's the way to go because I think it worked out. But by the same token, I don't think he's like, you know, he is what he is. He's not a great defensive defender, but he puts up really good points and it helped their power play. With Clef being out, I still kind of think Clef's going to be out this year, too. So, I mean, that doesn't really solve the problems. I guess the other question True. is, do you see them based on, and maybe this is a too small sample size going off how Bear just struggled here, do you see them maybe looking somewhere like a Dougie Hamilton in free agency, even though that's going to be a big, uh, he's coming in for a big payday off his contract? Ooh, that's a good huh. question. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm still thinking about the game today. Dougie Hamilton, he's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, he is good, and but again, again, everything also has to go into. There might be a lot of players that you want or like. They also got to want and like to come here too. Yeah. So that also comes into play. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Thanks, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, good call, Mike. I don't know if we helped with Mike's questions, Rob. 
<laughs> well, when they start going into the cap and who we're going to sign, I'm still trying to digest tonight's game too, but they are good questions and they're things that we're going to have to start thinking about soon. And the one thing that when you play a good team like Winnipeg in the playoffs, you are exposed in certain areas and you find out where your strengths are and you certainly are your, – your, your, weaknesses are exposed and open for everybody to see. So it's easier for a coaching staff and a GM to say, okay, here's what worked for us this year. Here's what didn't. And here's where we need help. And let's go take our shopping list out for the summer. And this is what we have to find. If we want to be a team that not just becomes a playoff hockey club, but a team that competes and and, and can win series and can move further on in the playoffs. Cause the others certainly aren't that right now as they've been one and done the last two years. Yeah, and Barry, he I thought he was a little up and down in this in this series. I, I mean, I, I thought especially the first two games he got pulled out of position a couple of times. And again, he has his skills. The skill set that he does have is very good. And there's nothing wrong with having him on your team. But I feel like if he could be a power play type guy and a, and a didn't have to defend against the other team's best pairing or best line, yeah, having, I think having no, said easier that, said than done. Yeah. But having said that he played 47 minutes today and he was good. He was good in this game and he played a All ton. Right. They went four defensemen. So I, I, I thought he had an excellent game tonight. I'm surprised Cuckoo got cut back that much. I'm, so am I. That's why I thought, I don't know if he got hurt. I mean, nine and a half minutes in a game that, I mean, <laughs> they watched the replay of the when Ethan Bear threw the puck away and then it turned into a, a cluster. They had uh, Wheeler got the puck first and he pulled it and faked a shot and Cuckoo went sliding by at about 10 or about 50 miles an hour and it was it was actually kind of funny he com- he completely sold out for the dive and blocked the shot and Wheeler didn't shoot it and you just see Cuckoo just kept going sliding all the way towards the boards um, not on him that one was all on Bear but uh, yeah I thought I thought he played fine in the minutes he like he was jumping up in the play he was leading the rush I didn't see a moment that said you know what this is going to keep him out of the uh, the lineup for the rest of the night um, but apparently the coaching staff saw something or the, or he tweaked something, but I did look and make sure he was on the bench through all those overtimes. So he wasn't as though he was in the dressing room nursing something, but yeah, I agree. I, I was surprised he stopped playing. Back to the certainty hotline. Tony is standing by. Hello, Tony. Go ahead. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, thank you guys for your guys' coverage as always every year. Can't wait for next year. Great season by the boys. You know, yeah, people were expecting us to go farther, but you know what? Now, you know, we have an off season to, uh, you know, get rid of contracts, sign players. We have $25 million in cap space. Um, just, you know, yeah, we ended off not the way that we wanted to, but we did. we did have a pretty good season, and now we can, you know, build towards winning a cup now. Um, I have a question for you guys, and I know this is kind of talking about the draft, but because the draft isn't as deep this year as it usually is, would you maybe try, if you're Holland, would you maybe try getting rid of a first, the first-round pick and, I don't know, a prospect for a starting goaltender? Because I can tell you right now, I don't think Colson's going to be with us for the rest of, for next season. 
For a goalie, I would consider it because the Oilers, they, they need a long-term higher-end goalie if they're going to be a real competitor. I mean, you saw what Hellebuck did. To me, there's yeah. to me there's no position that has a greater impact on the game than goaltender, and that's no disrespect to McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, and the high-scoring guys, but the goal a goaltender is the backbone of almost every Stanley Cup team or one of their top three players. So I, I would con- sorry, go ahead. One, one more one more question. Season's done, unfortunately. Um, what would you? Uh, what kind of players would you be looking for in both defense and, you know, basically we have McDavid, Drysdale, Nuge. What would you be looking for in free agency to, you know, bolster the whole lineup so that we're not dealing with the same thing that we're dealing with this year? Well, on the back end, it, it all depends. Is Clef bomb back or not? I mean, that that's huge. I mean, if he's not back, well, that's a big hole. If he's back, well, that fills up a, a really good hole. All of a sudden, if you got on your left side, Clef, bomb and Nurse, wow, that just got a whole lot better. Um, you, up front, they, they need guys that can score in your top six. Uh, I, I think that of all the time in the world for, for Kyler Yamamoto, and I thought he had a really good game today, but now he's gone one goal in his last 28 games, something along those lines. And of those 28 games, 27 of them he played either with Connor or Leon or both. Um, they they need offense. They need right now they, they don't have enough scoring depth up front in their top six. And then when you get to your third line, as Reed said earlier, their third and fourth lines are really two fourth lines. You're not creating any offense out of those two lines. And you, you don't have a, a whole lot of uh, physicality size in those two lines. Um, right now, on the bottom six, Archibald's probably your strongest player, and he's an undersized physical hockey player. So they need there's a there's there's some holes, there's some big holes that the Oilers have to fill, and I guess you have to wait to see what's available. You got to decide what you're doing with Larson, what you're doing with Nugent Hopkins, what you're doing with Barry, what you're doing with Mike Smith. Those are the things you got to decide before you get into the free agency, and then you figure out after you've made those decisions, what you can do to fill your roster and make it better than it was this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because they're still looking for some of the things that they were looking for at this, at this time last year, right? So you wonder when they're going to get some things. I mean, hopefully McLeod is, uh, takes a step forward. We'll see if the, the youngster Holloway might be able to break into the lineup at some point next season. But, uh, yeah, we're still talking to give a little more support here to the big guys. Absolutely. Okay, Rob is on the line as we're coming up to 2 a.m. after the Oilers season ends. Hey, Rob, go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Thanks, thanks, guys, for taking my call. A uh, couple of things I want to say uh, about the series. I mean, it really could have gone either way, like all four, all four one goal games and three of them in overtime. So, but I just want to talk about the team going forward. Um, yeah, like we guys just touched on it right there. Like the team did not improve from this time last year. So, going forward. Um, what are like some of the, the improvements that the team needs to make to get to the next level? Because at the end of the day, everybody's talking about they got to win a cup. When you have yeah. guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, that is the ultimate goal. So where are we going from here? 
Well, again, I think that they need some some other scorer in the top six, a sniper type winger. I, no, I do think I do think Puliarvi has helped them this year. I, I would categorize this as a step forward year for him, Rob. Uh, again, oh, you'd, like a, you'd like a you'd like a you'd like a third line center that could provide some offense and and win some preferably right handed penalties. Preferably, preferably right handed. Yeah. And I think you'd like some size and reach on on defense. I mean, you've I don't like I don't want to say size is everything, Rob, but it's, but again, as we as we as we've seen how players defend McDavid, it's not just size; it's it's the wingspan to force guys wide and and to poke check, and that helps against other players too. Well, you, yeah, you really noticed it in this Winnipeg series. As I don't know how many times Connor came up with full speed, and it looks like oh, he's got a step on this guy, and they would just get their stick on the puck because the wingspan for some of these defensemen is like you're going against Zdeno Chara and every shift because they had, I mean, Stanley and Pullman, Forbert, they're they're huge men. Um, yeah, the others up front, they, yeah, they need a they need a third line center. Some guy that they can put out against the other team's top player. Somebody they can take face-offs while you're shorthanded. Leon Dreisaitl is getting worn down, having to go out take face-off after face-off after face-off because they have no one else that can win them. They need goal scoring. They need they need some guys that play a little nasty, that are physical, that are getting the face of the other team's uh, star players. Um, <laughs> it, like There's a, a long laundry list of players that you would love to have. Um they they know what they know what they have here. They know what their strengths are, but they now you got to figure out how you fix your weaknesses because what the Oilers have had in the last two years has been a good team that hasn't been able to take that step in the playoffs, and it's frustrating. And they've got the they got the star power to to move on and and do damage in the playoffs, but they don't have the supporting cast yet to get them there. Okay, Harvey is also on the line. As we hit 2 a.m., Harvey, thanks for staying up. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it looks like we're all talking about going forward about next year, which is a good idea. Um, I'm looking at Bear. Uh, he's very slow, and you've seen that tonight, and you've seen that the other the whole series, actually. He was supposed to be this guy, young guy with a great shot, and he didn't shoot at all. And uh, anyways, but there's also a, a couple of goalies um, – out there that could be, um, you know, that we might be able to trade for. One in Vegas, Lerner, I think. Oh, Lerner, yep. Or Lerner, yeah, he might be a good uh, pick. But also, what do you guys think about Lane, uh, Patrick Lane? He's in the doghouse in Columbus. I'm sure we could uh, package some uh, guys for you. Yeah, but it, it's it's affording him, though, because he's, he's, he's due for a new contract, I believe. But that's what we I got. Think we got money. We shouldn't waste our money on, on like, we got Hoffman. That's about the only guy that's out there that's worth a free agent. Other than that. Yeah, but I'm guessing Liney's going to be asking for big money. Yeah, but we, I don't know if the others can afford him. Hmm? Right, but I think, so Harvey, are you saying, yeah, I mean, he's going to probably want around $7 because he's making 6.75. But I, but Harvey, are you saying, okay, you'd let Nuge walk and. You betcha. No, you'd also have to put in an offer sheet on Line A as well. Yeah, yeah he's, get rid of you'd, you'd have to trade for him. Yeah, but he's too, right. Yamamoto, you seen him tonight in the lineup when they were shaking hands? Him oh, I know, Wheeler, that was funny. Did you see that? <laughs> Came out right yeah. up to his underpants. It was like, oh, my God, like, no wonder you can't do anything out there, Matt. It was, just, it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks, Harvey. Line I might be, huh? might be a guy that yeah. we want to go after. 
I, I just yeah, don't that, think. That'd I don't be know, interesting. That'd be interesting. It'd be great. I don't know how you get them, though. I mean, you're going to have to give up an awful lot to get them and then sign them. And I, I don't know. I don't think you offer sheet them. I'm not sure the others would do that. But yeah, I mean, he's going to get it for his rights and then yeah. sign them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that would be uh, feasible. You'd have to give up an awful lot to get a, a player of his caliber. And I'm not sure the others are deep enough to do that. Now, having said that, it, it's going to be another interesting offseason with the cap not going up. Yes. So, yeah, well, for players like Liney, you mean for, our, for players like Taylor Hall, well, guys that. Yeah, Taylor Hall. I mean, Nuge. Like, yep. The money that like, is they Taylor, were hoping is Taylor to Hall going to get there. $8 million again? I don't think Taylor Hall is going to get $8 million again. Taylor Hall might do a one year deal again. Yeah. Hoping to get, hoping that the salary cap goes up the next year, and then he he bets on himself again. Yet yeah, you're right, uh, there's not a lot of free money hanging around right now because the cap's stale. It's not moving. Okay, where the season ends, four three triple overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Kyle Connor. Gets the winner, the goal scorers for the Oilers tonight, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Chase on. We get to take a quick timeout. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. And, of course, Rob Brown is here as well for the last eight seasons. Rob and I have worked together on the Oilers broadcast. Rob, you are an absolute joy to work with. I truly mean that. Well, it's been a pretty cool run we've had here. Got to become good friends, got to watch some good hockey, hang out a lot. Not as much this year because I'm in my mom's house. You're at your house. Been a We're weird not together year. For the, not together for the road games anymore. We used to be in the Chet studio. We'll see how that goes uh, goes going forward. But, uh, yeah, only, I guess, 60 games total this year, fewer than usual. But uh, tough end of the season for the Oilers. Not able to win a playoff game against the Jets, who sweep it four straight, three of the wins in overtime. One uh, gentleman who called us after a lot of games this season, is a guy I knighted earlier in the year, Sir Robert. I know you think that's stupid, Robert, but I did it anyway. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Good. Well, I mean, you know, let's start with uh, start with this. I mean, you know, honestly, as a, you know, I think uh, I'll say this as a, as a diehard fan of the Oilers, you know what? I mean, you know, not the way... Uh, not the way we wanted the playoffs to go. Obviously, losing four straight, but I, but but I mean, I, but you know, I look at it. Oh, you know, uh, I look at it this way, thinking, you know, I would rather us, I would rather us go out, go out in the first round, not necessarily by getting swept, but you know, I, I would rather, I would, I would rather with with the team we have, go out, go out earlier because. I'm looking at it in the sense of like let's let's say the Oilers did make did make a run. Say we got past Winnipeg, then we then we played the Leafs and beat them. You know, I mean, like I right, I mean, like I, I wouldn't want to be the Oilers playing a Colorado, a Tampa, a Vegas, one of those. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like a, you know, I, I wouldn't want the Oilers have to face a, you know, you know, like one of those teams because the Oilers like they like they they would they, they would have nothing to match up with. Tampa, I think I see. I disagree. I disagree. I think I'd love to see the Oilers match up. I mean, whether you win or lose, at least you find where you need to be. So I, I, I and then you never know. Anything could happen. I mean, the Oilers as an eight seed went to the Stanley Cup Finals before. So yeah, I, I disagree on that one. I'd love to have seen the Oilers move on and seen 
test themselves against the Leafs, test themselves against one of the, the other powers in the National Hockey League, because that's when you truly find out how much further you need to improve to play at that level. And I would have loved to see the Oilers just, uh, just to see where they are against uh, some of the elites in the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah, no, that's, uh, no, that's definitely fair, but I guess, uh, but I guess, like, I'll, I'll uh, I guess I'll, I'll go with this, I think, uh, I think, obviously, I think we do, we need to find, uh, we need to find somebody, we, we need, need to find someone like that, that, a right-handed third-line center, we need, we need, we, and we need to, and we need to find a couple more pieces for, uh, the top six to play with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and as far as, as far as the defense goes, I don't think personally, like like you guys were talking earlier, do I say do do I think Tyson Berry will be back? No. Would it be nice if he is? Yes. But again, do I think he will be? No. Simply because simply because if we're going to re-sign Nuge and Larson and I mean like they, they, and Smith, the, I don't think that with the uh, the flat cap, I don't think that. I, I simply don't think the money will be there to sign, to, to re-sign Barry unless uh, unless uh, unless it's uh, you know unless he agrees to take less money. But so yeah, so I guess uh, I guess what I would say is you know I think next year on defense I think we're we're good. I think I think we're think think we're going to see a lot more guys like Bouchard. I think uh, I think Bear will improve. You know he had to cut a couple. Made a had a couple had a couple tough games, couple couple mistakes, but I mean, you know, I think he'll, I think I think Bear will come back, and I think he'll be as good as he was two years ago. And uh, as far as the as far as the uh, uh, the goaltending goes, I think with uh, Smith, you gotta, you know, Smith, we gotta keep him. Koskinen, I would personally buy him out, maybe, and then maybe see see, see if we can find that. Find that find that next piece to come in right. and maybe maybe serve as Smith's backup next year. Who can maybe take over if Smith moves on or retires or whatever? But I guess, but I guess uh, I guess the I guess I'll leave it at that, boys. And great listening. Okay, Robert. Yeah, it's nice calling. Uh, nice getting your calls this year. Thank you very much. Uh, or their season is done. Four three to the Jets. Yeah, I, I I think I know what Robert was saying that it might have been. Uh, might have been a little uh, nerve-wracking for the Oilers to play one of the powerhouse teams, but uh, but I understand what you're saying. Ro. I, I'd sooner, I'd sooner get to that point. And if you oh, get absolutely. whipped, well, well, then you learn from the failure, right? I mean, yeah. I sooner. And and every round you win, then you never know. You never know. Maybe you're healthier oh, than the other team. Maybe you get a bounce. Maybe your goaltender stands on his. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's. Uh, you you want to go as far as you can every single time, and you learn each time. Every loss you have, you learn. Every time you win, you learn. And I think the further the others go, go the better their learning experience. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out of the North, how they do match up against the other divisions. Um, I, I'm, it would not shock me. I, I honestly, I don't know. It, this was a hard year to to really get. Um, gauge what the rest of the divisions had because you don't get to see them. I do believe there's some elite teams out there, but I do believe Toronto and Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal, they can compete. Okay, 780-496-0063. Scott has called in this evening. Hey, Scott, go ahead. How are you doing, Reed? Great I'm work. doing well, thank you. Good. Good work this year, guys. Uh, thank just, you. 
call in for the first time. So, um, just a quick question: Did you guys know what happened with the ice time of Cuckoo? Um, yeah, yeah, we're ta- we're we're not sure. Well, like kind of they weird. decided not to put him out. Yeah. Okay. Because hmm. I don't think he made any glaring mistakes or anything, but it's just kind of odd that he wasn't well, what, playing. <laughs> what's the one play you referred to, Rob? It was on the one that Ethan Bear threw the puck up the middle. I think that might have been the last shift for both of them. And then oh, okay. Cuckoo came to block the shot that Wheeler faked. Right. And he went flying past him. But, I mean, that's yeah. not on Cuckoo. That's, that was on Bear, the, the mistake that he made. And that's the last time that I think we saw him. I don't think he played after that. Yeah, it was kind of odd. And then uh, the other point to add was just I kind of liked what that guy was saying from Vancouver there about just our best players being our best players in the first two games. Like Bob and Jack were saying in the first game, the Oilers didn't even have a shot on goal till like 8.30 of the first period. And mm-hmm. they never have shot a goal on net till the third period. So, I don't know. I think we missed an opportunity like Reed was mentioning earlier just to take the series to Winnipeg in the first couple games. So, but anyways, it seems like it's kind of hard to process and value what, what happened this year and COVID and everything else, but no fans. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, just dis- appreciate it, Scott. Dis- disappointing. Yeah, sorry, way. go ahead. Anyways, have a good night. Yeah, you too, Scott. Yeah, I mean, the COVID stuff, every, every team played under the same circumstances, so... Mm-hmm. You know, it was the same teams uh, over and over again. In yeah, this series, uh, you and I didn't like the opening ten minutes in the first two games. Though, I mean, game two, it's again Hellebuck and Smith kind of went head to head, and Stastny made a shot, and then like the Oilers blew it in game three. I mean, I, of yes. course, give the Jets give the Jets credit; you still got to score the goals, but the Oilers blew it. I mean, that that was. I know this word is kind of a mean word in the world of sports. That's a choke in game three. You, like, they gave it away. And then, and then uh, tonight's game, the, again, a classic. They just, like, neither the others didn't give up. The Jets were, were trying to, to finish it off. So it, it was a close series, but good teams win close games. And the Oilers did it a lot in the regular season. So frustrating they weren't able to follow through and continue that here in the playoffs. No, I agree. It's, I mean, it can't get much closer than it was. It was four one-goal games, three of them in overtime, one in triple overtime. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets found a way to get one more big save, and they found a way to get one more big goal. And that's what good teams do. Well, and that's what makes the Jets interesting for me going forward is the big saves, is Hellebuck. Like I, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, the, most of the teams that – I mean, that was, I mean, we've talked about Ovechkin. There were some years where goal, I mean, remember the year Montreal upset them? And like, I remember Max yep. Lapierre scored the shot from the blue. I can't even remember who the goalie was, but I think Montreal was using Halak that year. And whoever was in goal for Washington just flaked out. So most teams that have an extended run of success, besides having all the other elements we're talking about, have a good goaltender. And that's no. what makes the Jets interesting because, and that, and if it is the Jets in Toronto, that to me, that's the one area I would give the the Jets the plus. Well, if the Jets play Toronto and there's no Tavares, I give the Jets the plus in depth up front. I give them the plus in goal. I think in on defense, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs would have the defensive. Um, 
plus. I think they they have a better defense than than the Jets do. But I I don't know if there's no Tavares in that series. I I I think I'm picking the Jets over the Maple Leafs if there's no Tavares. I think he's that important to that team. Yeah, I see. I would still. I mean, if you have Thornton, Spets, and Simmons as your fourth line, and the Jets' fourth line hardly plays, to me, that's that's pretty significant. Yeah, but I I like I like the Winnipeg's th- third line better, and I would like Winnipeg's second line better if there's no Tavares, Dubois, Ehlers, and Stasny versus who is it? Kerfoot, Nylander, and Galchenyuk. The, the second line today was Nash, Galchenyuk, and Nylander. The third line okay, was Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and Engvall. Okay, so I would take both the Winnipeg second and third lines over top of them. And I don't even think it's close. I think the, the Winnipeg Jets, Jets second line is much better than Toronto Maple, or Maple Leaf second line without Tavares. Well, I have a feeling we're going to find out, Rob. Perhaps we'll place a small wager on that along the way. Yeah, I think we will find it, and there will be a, a huge... Well, I mean, good on Campbell the way he's played, but I still think that the Winnipeg Jets would have a huge advantage in that. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Mark on the line. Hey, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, hello from the other side. Hello. Call it Halifax, where it's, uh, the sun is up. Oh my goodness! Well, thanks for calling us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fell asleep uh, during the first overtime, but I've been with you ever since. Um, sorry, your team is not going to advance. We were looking forward to seeing Connor McDavid here in the East, but it's not going to happen. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you for the season. It's great listening. Who's your Who's your team? It's funny. I grew up in Montreal, but I'm a Leaf fan, so. Uh, I guess it's going to be interesting to see Paul Maurice uh, coaching against the hopefully the Leafs, and uh, so looking forward to that too. I guess instead of Connor. Yeah. Okay. So Robert. So as a Leafs fan, Rob and I were just discussing this. What would you think would be the Leafs' biggest advantage and disadvantage if they play the Jets? Um, well, probably that first line is, uh, you know, pretty awesome. And I think the, the depth of the team in general, probably. Uh, I think it's just be a good matchup. I, I think it's going to go seven. All right. Well, thanks for checking in from Halifax. We appreciate it, Mark. That's awesome. The sun is up. The sun is up. Take care, guys. Yeah. There we go. Maybe he's going out golfing. So we had a caller from Vancouver. We had a caller from Halifax. Uh, I don't know if the Jets fan was in Winnipeg, but we did have a Jets fan, so he'll be an honorary Winnipegger. So we've had few time zones. Uh, okay, so here's the thing, Rob. We had we had a guy from Vancouver, Pacific time. We've had, obviously, callers from Alberta, Mountain time. We'll say the Winnipeg fan is central time. We had a guy in the Atlantic time zone from Halifax, and Jay Onright from the Eastern time zone was on the face-off show. So we've covered off every time zone in Canada during our weather's broadcast. We need some you awake from now. I'm barely. Well, I, I figure if I stay do this one more hour, I'll just, just go right from here to Academy in the morning. So I'm, oh, I'm do you have to set. coach in the morning? Oh yeah, I'm on the ice. Well, we're not tomorrow. on the ice. We're off ice tomorrow at eight AM. So yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe you had the morning off. School's back in. That's... Tomorrow school is back in. That means I'm back working. Oh. One job ends, another one starts. Uh, 
All right. I don't. I don't know. So I don't understand that text I just got. Did I, did I say Jay was not from Toronto? Did I say Jay was in another time zone? Where did I say Jay was from? He's from Athabasca, but he's in he's, Toronto. He, sometimes I think he's in another world. He was good on the show today. He was very good. I listened to you guys. He was very good. Yeah, he, he struggles being – he's still a Westerner at heart with all those Leafs fans. It's kind of funny. Okay, who's up? Oh, Adam's up next. Adam, what? where are you? Do you can you tell us? Yeah, hey, guys, I'm from Red Deer. Awesome. Oh, Cam Moon territory. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, um, I sort of have some inside information here. Um, what if um, Duncan Keith wants to move back home Kind of like the um, uh, guy from Calgary did, and wants to come to the Oilers. What kind of cap space do we have to do, and how beneficial would it be for the right-handed young D-man to play with a good left-handed D-man like Duncan Keith? Isn't he? I thought he was from Winnipeg. Well, who? Isn't Duncan Keith from Winnipeg? He is from Winnipeg, um, but he's born and raised. Yeah, he's from Pen- Yeah, but he uh, he lives in Penticton. Oh, so you're saying to play closer to Penticton? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like to, yeah, like Western Canada, obviously, right? Like, cause he, yeah, like he's got a son, you know, so. What yeah, he's he's got a no man like him. He, well, he's got a no move clause, so and he's got two more years left. Um, I mean, he's he's thirty seven. I would still think he plays. I know I didn't see Chicago play a lot this year, uh, Rob. But he's I mean he's an outstanding athlete. He's had an outstanding career. I, I don't know if you're getting Duncan Keith to to wave his well, no moves no no move clause. What if I no. say to you guys? Like, what if I say to you guys, because I, yeah, like, just what if I say to you guys that he's maybe willing to move? How much money does he make a year? How much does he make? 5.5 is his cap hit. Yeah, his cap hit is a little big, but if Chicago's willing to eat a little bit of that, what do we got to do? Honestly, I I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly I don't I honestly don't see that happening. I don't. I, I love Doug Keith as a hockey player. I, I big fan, huge fan. I just don't see it, that happening. I, I don't. Like you don't see it as Ken Holland, or you don't see it as as a right move for the Oilers. Well, I guess I, it all I, I it depends. If if Clefbaum yeah. comes back, where do you put him? You got Clefbaum and Nurse on your left hand side. That that is the big thing. I don't think he's. I don't think Clefbaum's coming back, and you need somebody to teach the young right-handed D-man how to play the game. Okay. Well. Yeah, I, Adam. I'm sorry we're not giving you a, a better answer. I, I like. I don't know. Like Duncan Keith played. He still played 23 and a half minutes per game this season. Um, did you get him for the last two years of his contract? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's still a, he's still a pretty good player. Um, but what, what are you going to give Chicago? If you're giving, if you're giving Chicago someone younger that then you're not going to develop. I, I don't know if that's something you do, Rob. 
No, I, I again, I, I don't think that's any, that's not going to happen. I don't think. I think it could uh, happen, and I think it will happen. But yeah, okay, uh, that's just my yeah. I mean, that's just my inside information. Okay, appreciate that. All right, buddy. Thank you. Let's go to. Yep. Thank you, Adam. We also have Scott on the uh, line. Scott, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Good, good. Um, So, uh, yeah, I love listening to you guys. I'll say that first off. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm a Flames fan, so we'll uh, we'll go from there, and you guys can uh, have at me all you want. Um, The thing I'm calling you about... um, is uh, basically, I'm I'm a little unsure about your opinion on the fact that uh, um, possibly Connor McDavid might want to uh, you know leave after this year. Um, I I listened to your call-in show last night, and I'll be honest with you, I had to hang up at one point. I, well, I just. I shut it off at one point in time because there was a guy who called in and uh, I think you really pretty much uh, gave it to him on the fact that he said, um, how long is it going to be until Connor McDavid decides that he doesn't want to be here anymore? And you guys really put him on the spot um, in asking him, okay, how many players in the league want to leave their teams because they are no good and whatever. So I, I just, uh, I have a real problem with that. Okay. And, and I, I'd like to know your, you, what you guys feel about that. I feel that there's throwing out something, saying a guy wants to leave without any um, knowledge of it makes no sense to me. I could say right now that uh, Mark Giordano wants out of Calgary. Um well, that yeah, Elias Peterson wants out of Vancouver. Uh, if yeah. the Montreal, if Toronto loses uh, to Montreal in the first round, Matthews wants out of Toronto. I mean, it just to me it makes no sense. You're just saying because the team lost the guy, the best player wants out. It, I, I've, I've, I've played with a ton of great hockey players on bad teams. I've never had a player say he wanted out. So to me it's it made no sense to have someone say yep connor wants out well how do you know connor wants out i mean to me it, it it's just silly it's makes no sense and that's more or less what i've said to him all right we are uh speaking to connor mcdavid well I'll tell you what rob I, i'm gonna dismiss you so you can go to bed uh and i know you gotta get up thanks for everything this year it really is a pleasure to work with you and we're gonna stay in touch so it's not as if we're not gonna talk until the next season but but thanks for everything man i i love working with you i i learn about hockey just from talking to you and and asking you questions it's a true privilege man well, I enjoy our friendship. I enjoy doing these games, and uh, I, I'm free a lot of evenings, so I hear you have a show. Give me a call. We'll talk. And uh, hopefully we'll talk each other. We'll go golfing this summer. Yeah, let's do that for sure. That's Rob Brown, everybody. And let's go into the Zoom room, Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse. Everyone, um, you know, I thought... Uh, I thought we were the better team most of the night, too. Um, just frustrating, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, Darnell, you uh, you had an ungodly amount of minutes out there tonight. Can you can you speak to what that was like? 
yeah, it wasn't uh, crazy enough. Saying you know, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was, uh, you know, in situations like that when you want to go out there and be a part of it uh, the whole night, you want to be sitting back and watching. So, yeah, it, uh, as crazy as it sounds, it wasn't too much. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hi, Connor. Um, yeah, you guys did leave everything out there, and, and you can make an argument you guys were the better team in, in, you know, maybe three of the four games, and you just were on the wrong side of that fine line. I guess, what is the difference between that line, I guess, between winning and losing at this point in the playoffs? Is it just experience? Is it just the little things? Or how do you see it? Because you guys did play well in, in the series, and there's no way it should have been a sweep. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the... It's the little mistakes, like uh, it's just the little ones, you know. It's it's not like it's uh, earth-shattering stuff here, you know. We're not, uh, you know, we don't need to to, to leave here and, and think we gotta to rewrite the, the the ship here. Like it's 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 little things. It's a fine line, and you know, we talked about uh, you know those lessons. I guess we've learned throughout the years, and you know, it's obviously another lesson that uh, we gotta take with us moving forward. And Darnell, just a series like this and a game like this, how much does a player and a team grow from these experiences? Because you can't get playoff experiences until you actually in the playoffs and play games like this. Yeah, it just shows the, uh, like you said, the, the, the fine line there. Like you, you go over the four games and, you know, a couple bounces and then in, a, in an eight-minute stretch, like – for a lot, a lot of that series, we played good hockey, and then the way that the way that we drew it up, like there's, it's not that. I think Connor said it's not like we have to rewrite the whole ship. Like there's a lot of things that you go back and watch, and you know you, you'd be happy happy for the group like that. You know we adapted and, and played hard, and it sucks sitting here right now. It, it, it sucks for for all of us, but that's yeah, uh, there's a, that fine line. Jason Gregor, TSN 1260. Connor, you talk about just the little mistakes and just kind of untimely giveaway. Sometimes you don't get any bounces, true, but you know, when you look back at this whole series, did it seem like at times maybe you guys beat yourselves more than they beat you? Uh, I mean, they, they, they wanted to, to, to sit back and, and uh, and and uh, and play a good solid defensive game. I I thought our game was pretty solid defensively as well. Um, you know, obviously you look back at the, the the two games here in Winnipeg. You know, we got leads and uh, we don't find ways to close them out. That's uh, you know that's just the way it is. And maybe that's the frustrating part because in the regular season you guys were really good at that. It, one of the best teams in the league at, at holding leads after 40 minutes. So, uh, Darnell, you played 58% of the game tonight, which is the highest ever. Like it's close to the most minutes played, but those were five overtime games. H how did you have to conserve your energy? Like, did you do? Like, how, how do you play that way and not look fatigued? Just play. Don't think. Don't think too much. Um, situations like that you, you just got well, got play go out there and that's why it work out i guess like it's just you just play and, and adapt um i wish that uh those minutes went towards the uh, towards the win and we were still playing but yeah rob Chikowski, post media 
Uh, hi, Connor. Uh, with how well your team played in the regular season and the expectations you had for yourself coming in and, and how well you even played in this series, three overtime games, is, is there a bit of a sense of disbelief that you're sitting here right now? Um, uh, maybe a little bit, I guess. Um, you know, it's it's... It's a it's a it's a weird series. It's a weird sweep for sure. Um, you know, you don't usually see them like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Can for either of you can can you pinpoint that why the things that went so right for you during the course of the regular season when you when you needed a goal you got it when you needed a shutdown you got it it just wasn't here in the playoffs. Who's that for, Rob? Either one. Specific player, please. Darnell, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, like, played hard. Like, we played hard. And that's, sucks because, sucks as we're saying here after four games and it's a sweep. We, we took three to overtime. So, there's things that uh, we could have done better here in, in the end, but, oh, it's, oh. I don't know how to, I honestly don't know how to answer them. Sorry. Mark's back to your sports yeah, Connor, you know, you didn't get breaks. They always say you got to make your own breaks. It seemed from where we're sitting that you played well enough, you deserve some breaks, you didn't get them. Is there some danger, though, in sitting back and saying, man, we just had bad luck here? Is, is, there, is there some need to dig in on why you didn't get those breaks? Uh, sure, but that's not... That's not for tonight. <laughs> that's uh, that's a, a, a you know long time, long time to think about it. Long time to uh, to uh, you know figure those things out. That's not a, that's not a, a question I can answer for you tonight. That's fair. Um, do you do you then, Connor? I mean, I guess this this must feel a lot different than it did the last time you were in the playoffs, losing to Chicago. That seemed like a much more sour taste. Uh, is there? You know, is there different lessons this time than last time? Is it the same lesson again? Uh, you know, when, when I guess I would ask when the lessons start to get old. Well, we're still sour. I think uh, doesn't doesn't make it any any better. I think we're we're a group that expects more from ourselves. We're a group that uh, you know I, you know we want to uh, we want to push and and, uh, and and continue to grow and and. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we uh, we didn't didn't do that in the playoffs, and and uh, you know, still sour. I think uh, I don't think anyone is going to deny that. Final question, Daniel Nijabal in the Athletic. Um, gentlemen, I know you're both uh, players that really uh, work hard at your craft, and uh, I guess for for Connor, um, what. I mean, given all that you've you've kind of gone through and and the season that you've had, how how do you kind of sum up or or kind of wrap your head around this loss, given the season that you did have personally and as a team? Uh, what was the question? Just how you kind of wrap your head around this when you've had the season that you've had. I mean, it, I guess it. Is it um, is there any solace you can take out of it? I guess is the question. I mean, the regular season doesn't mean much now. That's all. So, um, you know, regular season doesn't mean anything. 
That is Connor McDavid. Also, Darnell Nurse, final post-game availability of this season as the Oilers are done surprisingly quickly, swept in four straight by the Winnipeg Jets. You can always get coverage of the Oilers on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Don't forget Bob Stoffer's show, Oilers Now, continues all year long from noon to 2, and I'll continue to bring you inside sports from 6 to 8. We always have the latest on the Oilers, draft coverage, free agency coverage, and we'll bring you uh, playoff games as well, special play-by-play of uh, playoff games as we get into the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, as we usually do here on 630Ched. A lot of people make our Oilers coverage possible Troy Bowler has been our game day engineer once again. Our studio producers throughout the season have been Kellen Kennedy, Angie Quinnell, and Cody Jansen. Angie was on the board tonight. Big thanks to our engineering department who had even extra work over the past uh, year and a bit with people working remotely in a different setup at Rogers Place. Thanks to Mike Evans, Grant Ranson, and Sean Alford. My colleagues, Cam Moon joined us this year. What a joy to work with and another season with Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer. Just always a treat to work with those guys and their support always means a lot. Thanks to our program director, John Voss and our executive producer, Kelsey Campbell. And of course, thanks to you for your passion for the Edmonton Oilers and your participation in Overtime Open Line throughout the year. It's always a pleasure to talk to everybody. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.